This episode of the podcast is brought to you by From Within Records, March 16th, 2022. Seat of Pain, Champions of Chaos Reloaded will be available. So mark your calendars. Also, late March, Statement of Pride and Beskar East Coast Tour. Shout out Pensacola Straight Edge. And also March 26th, it's the first Unitarian Church in Philadelphia. From Within Records Showcase. Eco Strike, the final show, Payback, It Is What It Is, Record Release, Magnitude, Shackled, Simulacro, Worn, Seed of Pain, Burning Strong, Almighty Watching, Beskar, and Off the Tracks will be performing. So please, if you haven't yet, go grab a ticket before it's too late. And then, like I always say, uh, if you're not following From Within Records on social media, please go boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, click that follow button and stay up to date on all the current news. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast, I highly recommend you go check out From Within Records. Uh, They have their own podcast. Episode two just dropped. It's Carter, Jake and Dylan. Uh, They're doing a really fun and entertaining podcast. Uh, They are scheduled to come out every other Sunday. So I believe uh, at the time of this recording, this will be the off week. So if you haven't had a chance yet. Go get caught up. Go listen to episode one, episode two in preparation for episode three. You can thank me later. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. And if you're a band out there or a business or anyone looking for high quality merch, I highly suggest you hit up Good Fortune Printing out of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. You can go to their Instagram, which is Good Fortune Printing, or you can email them at contact at goodfortuneprinting.com. They have done a lot of cool stuff for me more recently. If you're at FYA, all those collab shirts that they did, uh, excuse me, all those collab shirts that uh, I had were printed by them. Super high quality stuff. I was really, uh, really stoked on how they all came out. So stoked that we are working together again. But news on that coming very soon. But please go support Good Fortune Printing, a very awesome business. On today's episode, we had to track down our good friend Wyatt Olbehoser. He is a very talented person. He plays in Chemical Fix, plays in a band called Fixation. More than likely, he has recorded some of your favorite bands at the Knife Layer. So uh, they just got off a run with American Nightmare. I say they, I mean Chemical Fix. Uh, it, it was an awesome show. I, I was able to catch it at the Observatory in Santa Ana, one of my favorite venues. And I just wanted to reach out to Wyatt to kind of get caught up and hear what their experience was like being on the road with American Nightmare, playing a bunch of new places for the first time, and also to hear about what fixation is going on. And it was just a really awesome time for me to be able to sit down and talk to Wyatt again. So if you're not familiar with Chemical Fix, I highly suggest you hit pause, go boot up your Spotify, Apple Music title, go listen to Chemical Fix's latest album, Our Shades Cast Far. Uh, And when you're done with that, listen to Fixation and then come back here and listen to Wyatt and I talk about a bunch of awesome things. So thank you. Strap in. Enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, welcome Wyatt Olbehorzer to the show.
right, and we're live. Welcome back to the podcast, Wyatt. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm stoked that you're uh, you know down to come back on the podcast. It's been a minute, but obviously, anytime I see anybody posting about you um, helping them with their record, I, I always have to you know repost it or um, you know uh, send you some love because it, it's crazy like how many bands that you've worked with and how many bands that um, you know I actually enjoy. So so it's cool to have you back. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, you just, well, not just, but mm-hmm. I, more recently, Chemical Fix went on to run with American Nightmare. I, I'm just curious, uh, you know, from the beginning, um, how were um, all of you approached to uh, do that run with American Nightmare? Uh, so Wes, who sings for AM, just got in touch with me uh, via email. We had uh, sort of like interacted uh, I don't know how much he would want me to talk about it, but there was this project he was working on that it seems like has since been abandoned that I had been helping out with. And then I didn't hear from him for about a year. And then out of the blue, he was just like, Hey, um, do you guys want to do this run of background music shows? Which like we had heard from a couple like mutual friends was maybe gonna thing but it was like maybe gonna be a thing but it was like a year ago and we were like that's not real that why would why would we get to do that and then you just sent me an email being like you guys want to do east coast you guys want to do west coast and i think i was just like yeah all of it that's cool well that's cool that he gave you um you know an option of east or west and you just said both and you guys ended up uh, doing the run on both coasts because obviously East Coast had uh, you guys and Gel. West Coast had you guys and Scowl. So I, I think that's cool that you guys were able to do the whole thing. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I don't. I I still feel like there's probably bands who deserved it more. But um, that being said, it was sick that we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know the the band who's uh, headlining the whole thing asked you guys to do it. So I, I think it's fair and sure that there's always like you know. Uh, a hardworking band out there that probably could have fit that bill uh, just as good as you guys did. But I, I feel like um, it, it was a really good fit uh, and I'm happy that you guys were able to do that. Yeah, me too. It was cool. And as, as far as uh, doing that run, uh, how do you think it has helped out the band? Cause I'm, I'm sure you, you guys got exposed to a, a lot of people who probably weren't familiar with chemical fix. Yeah. I mean, we knew going in that that's, that's probably what it was going to be was playing to a lot of people who weren't previously aware of us. And we expected that and kind of like, I don't know, I feel like we prepared and um, we focused on being like really tight because we knew that these probably weren't going to be the kinds of shows that like, you know, these aren't like the crowd is a little bit older. Um, You know, they're, at this point, almost like a legacy band, even though they like they put out new music, whatever. Point being is we we kind of knew that um, we were going to be playing to people who had never heard of us, probably wasn't going to be people like moshing the whole time, whatever. So we were like, well, we got to like put on a show and we got to sound good. Um, and I think we succeeded in both of those because, I mean, it's stupid to use um these these numbers as like anything real but you can see like instagram followers spotify listeners has shot up since we did it so 
That's yeah. cool, I guess. If those metrics mean anything, I don't take. I try not to take too much stock in that because that's like not the real world, and mm-hmm. sometimes those things can be way off. But um, you know, having that that metric available still does um, kind of verify that, like, hey, we like we played to some new people, and it in some capacity must have resonated because they followed us, they listened to us after whatever it is. Yeah, and I feel like that's a a brave thing that you guys did because some bands would be hesitant to want to take up that role, right? Oh, like let's go on this tour and play in front of a crowd that might not, uh, you know, even care about us. But for you guys to to go out and do that and you know uh, focus on okay, like we gotta put on a good show because yeah, like going in knowing that it might not be your crowd, uh, you know, at that time, but uh, putting on that performance to try to you know captivate them and get them to become a fan. I, I think that's really smart. And uh, and I'm sure that, that there's because like I, I went to the show in or- Orange County, uh, you know, thank you right. for um, you know assisting in that. But and, and seeing like some of the older people and, and just recognizing a lot of people that I know haven't been to a show in a minute or doesn't actively support the current you know uh, scene in hardcore. I, I just hope that uh, for those kinds of people that rolled out, um, I, I hope it was, it was like a an eye opening thing for them to to kind of show them like, hey, like yeah. Um, uh, they loved American Nightmare back in the day. It's most likely the reason why they went out, but it's like, hey, there's still good stuff going on, bands that they would love, but they just probably aren't aware of. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, that's like, we knew that's who we were going to be playing to. And uh, we were prepared for, like, you know, it's not like a, a tour that we, we booked ourselves and played like whatever, uh, you know, VFWs, bars, someone's basement, like, we knew it was going to be a different kind of thing. And we knew that's going to, that was going to be the crowd we were playing to. So yeah, I mean, we just, it was exactly what we expected. Yeah. But also a, a great opportunity too, because not a lot of bands uh, these days, especially newer bands can say that they toured with American nightmare. It's true. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be bragging about that for forever. Probably. Mm-hmm. okay and um overall did, do you have a favorite show that you guys play that you would like to talk about um the philly show was really cool mm-hmm. um actually not unlike the orange county show it was um one of the smallest rooms that we played and it like those two shows felt more like just regular you know regular hardcore shows whereas the other one like i mean in new york we played at irving plaza mm-hmm. in in la we played at the fonda which was also those were awesome for for different reasons but like the the small room the like the no barricade like those shows um like philly and santa Ana were probably my favorite too just because of like the the size of the room and um like the way the crowds were mm-hmm. and I, I tell everybody that i the uh, show that happened in santa Ana, it happened in the constellation room that's uh, probably my like second favorite uh, venue for a hardcore show you know the the locker room and garden grove being my favorite but uh, i i think that constellation room is, is a perfect size because i've seen trash talk in there i've seen uh, trapped under ice. I, I've seen other acts like Halsey in there. I, mean, I, I think just a great size room. It's not. It's not too big, not too small. Yeah, I mean, it was it was perfect for that show. I mean, like smaller than 
I ever thought they would play, but that that makes it cool. For sure, yeah, just kind of bringing it back, uh, you know, to the hardcore roots, and it's awesome that you're able to kind of get, uh, you know, both sides of the coin, the you know, the the, the big, uh, you know, extravagant venues, and then you get to just get the normal, uh, you know, uh, hardcore size venues. Yeah, I mean, like, yo, know, the the big stuff was cool too, and I mean, we we loaded into some of these venues, and like, I think at the Fonda, I took a look around, and I was like, oh, guys, we better enjoy this now because we're not coming back here have you ever been there yeah yeah i've been there i mean that place is huge it's like a that's like a a theater that's not like that's not a that's not a bar it's a club that's not a club that like i don't know i was like poking around in the basement they had like old show flyers i saw like i don't know man morrissey's played there like why why does my shitty hardcore band get to play on this stage like i better enjoy it because it's probably not going to happen again you don't think you guys can make it back there i think it'll be a long time i think we'd have to like there would be a lot of work to get back there again i'm not saying it's it's not possible i'm Mm -hmm. just also not gonna like bank on the next time we play la to be at the fonda most likely okay i'm just curious because like i've talked to bands that have done like uh, bigger tours and that is kind of like a reality check for them is uh you know it's something that they don't want to be right they they get to this point it's like a little too uh professional uh pro core and they're just like doesn't really fit their vibe so i, I wasn't sure if that's something that you guys uh you know would like to do again or want to do again because I, I obviously um you know you guys just put out the record back in august and i'm not sure what your like long-term goals are for chemical fix uh i mean I think we learned that we we like playing big show like big tours like that like mm-hmm. there's a lot of that that's pretty nice um like you know just get, getting taken care of like having our own green room having a proper sound check like all that stuff is cool we also like doing you know DIY hardcore shows like we played two shows after the AN shows were done while we were still out in California. Mm. Like we went, um, we played Oxnard with scowl and then we went and played San Francisco again with, uh, with spy and raw brigade and like jumping back into that kind of show immediately after was like, Oh, sick. Like we like both. We can do both. Like, you know, I guess my answer is I would always want to kind of switch it up and, and do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's good to have that versatility. Um, and the fact that you guys were down to do those two hardcore shows uh, on your way out and not just kind of uh, turn it down um, after doing the kind of run that you were just on, uh, I, I think is awesome. Cause sometimes when, uh, you know, tours roll through, uh, you know, friends and I will kind of look at the tour flyer and see if there's like an off day, um, in California and try to convince bands to do an extra show or something. But I, I get that it's a lot of work. Sometimes the bands get too tired, don't want to do anything. They want to actually enjoy their day off and not, you know, play another show. So I, I think it's cool that you guys did that. Yeah, man. I mean, we were, we were in California, like we're already there. Why not play as many shows as we can? Um, it would, it would otherwise be a waste. Cause like, I mean, just getting over there is, Aside from like, you know, it's just 
kind of expensive to fly out a whole band and mm-hmm. uh, merge person and you know uh, not only that but like um, it's it's a lot of planning like and we just had we had the opportunity to play these two shows I mean it would be silly for us to say no yeah no I, I, I totally get it yeah because when's the next time you guys are all going to be down and especially to have that kind of lineup right because those bands and even um, you know Rob Brigade being out there um, they're not a local yeah. band so um, for that no I mean it was that that was sick too because like uh, I think he's living in New York now but Carlos who sings in Rob Brigade lived in Philly for a while like mm-hmm. it was almost like after we had these like wild shows where we didn't know anybody on this huge tour we got to play just a regular hardcore show and like see people we knew that were like kind of from at least like we, I mean we we got to play with people that we knew mm. a, across the country and that was that was cool oh yeah well that's that's awesome I, I'm glad that you guys made it out and uh, I, I know the uh, friends that I saw at the show in Santa Ana were, were stoked to see you guys my, my buddy that I went with I had to um, tell him to check you guys out because he wasn't familiar but then he listened to you guys and uh, is now a fan so I, I, I think it was awesome that you guys made that choice to, to do the tour and, and come out here it, it made me excited because that, that was my first time ever seeing you guys yeah it was the first time we met in person mm-hmm. which was nice and I, I didn't realize how tall you were like I, I knew you were tall but when I saw you in person I'm like damn why it's actually really tall yeah I'm a, I'm a little tall but yeah great night uh, so now you're back home uh and I, I'm curious about the band. I, I I know you guys have one show down in Delaware, but as far as um, anything else, are you guys planning to do another tour? Because um, it, it's been like six months since the record came out. Um, do you guys want to uh, you know do more shows on that, or are you guys trying to write new music? Um, well, uh, so we're we're starting to write um, for another record now uh, because by the time that you know, if we start now, if we're lucky, it's out a year and a half to two years from now, depending on how long it takes us to write it, mm-hmm. to record it, etc. Um, you know, it could it could very well be year and a half to two years. So I don't think we want to be playing these songs and only these songs two years from now. Um, that being said, we are also, I mean, touring is, it's, it's both, it's trying to figure out a balance to do both. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of unclear on what we're doing the rest of the year. There's like a little bit of talk about doing Europe as I'm not sure. Um, I'm like kind of on the fence about it. It seems like we all are, I mean, kind of trying to decide, is it like, is it too early to go over there or should we just say fuck it and do it? Cause someone offered. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll definitely be touring more this year. I just when and where and with who, I don't know. I don't know just yet, but it's definitely not going to be one or the other. We're not like going to take a break cause we're writing a record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious about the, writing of the new record are, are you like going to be writing it at like a comfortable pace because i i um also you have to factor in getting out like vinyl i i just talked to a band recently they just submitted vinyl like like a couple days ago and they're not getting it till november and we're here in february which is uh, pretty crazy that's honestly better than i thought you were going to say because for a while it was like 
16 months. Mm-hmm. Um, like fixation turned in about a year ago, we turned in our LP and that won't come out till like May or June still. So, uh, it's cool that it's getting better, but yeah, it's still a long time. Um, to, to answer your question though, I mean, I don't know. We're not really the kind of people to force something mm-hmm. out. Um, and we usually don't really get in a room to, to work on writing songs. Um, if, if we aren't coming in with ideas like that, we kind of had out. So the way it works a lot of the time is I'll write kind of, I'll, I'll like, I'll have some riffs. I'll, I'll put them together in loosely what I think the structure of a song should be and send it to everybody. But then we'll go in and like, you know, we might take out parts. We might add parts, you know, we'll, we'll totally change what I had, but if we don't have that, like those bones of a song going in, it's kind of, it's a wasted effort for us. Like I have no interest in playing the, everybody stare at their feet and hope they think of a riff Mm -hmm. game, like in a practice space, like that sucks. Like I've, I don't think I've ever successfully written a song with a band doing it that way. Cause everybody's just like, feels on the spot and is just trying to throw something together. And that's, I mean, if anything comes out, it usually is like mediocre and gets tossed. So, I mean, it kind of how fast this record get gets written depends on how fast we have ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as, as far as like for you, do, do you like try to set time aside to be like, all right, I, I got to try to come up with something or do you just kind of, um, you know, just live your life and riffs will come to you? Um, I mean, sometimes I will sit down um trying to write i will try to set time aside but depending on what i have going on in a given week i might just have too much work to even think about making music for myself Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean sometimes an idea will pop into my head and i'll be like fuck i kind of have to drop whatever i'm doing because I need to, I need to play this on a guitar and see if it's actually cool and like record it somehow before the idea goes away. Cause like I'll have ideas in my head that, you know, within 30 seconds, they're just, they're gone. Like if I don't capture it in that moment, totally gone. Um, I don't know if they were actually cool, but I could have figured it out if I picked up a guitar when I had the idea. Yeah, in theory, you probably had the best riff and it slipped away or could have slipped away. I've lost so many of the best riffs in the world. You have no idea. Or not. Maybe they fucking suck. Who knows? Yeah, I, I yeah, that's to be determined. Maybe they, they'll eventually find their way back to you because our, uh, our, our brain works in mysterious ways. We'll see. Okay. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that uh, uh, Chemical Fix is going to stay active, and you guys are you know uh, working on this new record that'll come out eventually, but also plan to to do a tour because because I feel like you have to capitalize on, on a moment like that, right? You uh, do this uh, big tour with American Nightmare, and I'm sure uh, th- there's a lot more people curious, and I, uh, to, to go away, I, I think would be wrong. So the fact that you guys are going to stay active, yeah, I think that's the yeah, smart. This move. is, I mean, it's uh, you know, for us all on like a personal level that was like 
that's going to be tough to top. But like you said, like, got to use that opportunity while it's available to us. Like, what can we do next? Like, whether it's, you know, another, like, you know, the other tours we've done that are, we book it ourselves, like, play just whatever, like, you know, regular hardcore shows, whether we get to do another support tour. Um, either way, we definitely want to, while we have a little bit, a little bit of momentum, keep it going. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious, do you feel like ever like any pressure at all? Because I, I, I talk to so many people and uh, people constantly say that uh, Chemical Fix is the you know best band from Philly. Uh, and there's always like, I feel like whenever I, I, I talk to people in the know, there's always just like this overwhelming, like, you know, positive uh, thing about, um, you know, their view on Chemical Fix. And I, I'm serious if that ever gets back to you guys. And if you ever feel any pressure to kind of have to live up to anything like that. No, not at all. I didn't think anybody was aware of our band until six months ago. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. None of us ever have any expectations of like anything mm-hmm. with this band because, um, I don't know, we're, we're all fucking jaded assholes. So we never expect anything cool to happen. So it's always like a nice surprise. But no, I mean, I don't feel, I feel like a pressure just like to live up to my own standards and the standards of the other people in, in this band, because we're, we're going to be harder on ourselves than anybody. Like, you know, someone might be coming up to us after a set and being like, Oh dude, that was, that was awesome. And I'm like, ripping into Mikey I'm like dude your fucking guitar was out of tune in that one like you know somebody else could think that we had a great set and I'll be living because like I thought we could have played better so yeah I, I definitely don't feel pressure living up to anybody else's expectation okay well I, I think it's good that you guys have your own standards and um, obviously like, I'm sure you hear the the music different than uh, other people because uh, I feel like uh, you know you, you have to do that stuff uh, when it comes to like re- recording bands and your your actual job. Yeah, it ruined music for me. I don't recommend whoever said do what you love. Fuck that guy. <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, I, I I get it. Like I'm nowhere near your level, but the, the fact that I listen to like a bunch of different podcasts and like the audio quality varies. Um, and then I always just try to put myself up, up against like the ones that I listen to, listen to. And I'm just like, how do like, maybe I, I don't think my ears are biased, but like, I hear like, uh, you know, feedback or just a like, weird shit. And I'm just like, how do like, they let that slide or they put it up with like out trying to fix that. Yeah. That stuff like suddenly becomes a distraction and you like, you can't even focus on the, whatever, like whether it's music podcasts. I mean, if you work in, uh, film, fucking whatever it is like you start being like noticing and becoming distracted by the details of that stuff and it ruins your ability to actually enjoy the content in there and i I have this conversation with people all the time because like there's a ton of music that i just can't get into because the recordings just suck Mm -hmm. and i'm sure i'm sure i'm missing out on a lot of really great bands a lot of really great songs whatever i mean that stuff is such a barrier to me though like i just cannot get past it like i i can't access 
songs beyond the recording quality. Mm. And that's only because I do it. Like most people don't hear music that way. And yeah, I mean, like the more that I've like paid attention or like, you know, tried, been obsessed with like improving my own recordings, the more I just like, I've got no time to listen to bad recordings. Yeah, there's a newer band, um, and I don't want to name any names, but I listen to their recordings, and I'm just like, it's 2022. You could, uh, you know, the, the 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 like like level uh, entry to to doing this kind of recording stuff isn't that high. So the fact that there's bands still putting out shitty recordings, and and I get it, maybe that's like their aesthetic. They want it to sound raw or whatever. But I'm always curious, like, man, like, what would this sound like if they actually did good recordings? I, I think it would probably sound like a million times better. Uh, yeah. So it's, sometimes that, that just kind of gets me. It's like, man, like, I, I just hate um, when, like, I, I know the music is good, but just the recordings suck ass. And then, like, I'm just never going to get to hear, like, a good version of it. I mean, that, that band could kill it live, though. That is true. I, I, I've yet to they see them live. Yeah, they could sound awesome live. And like a lot of people, I mean, even still, I mean, what you're saying isn't untrue at all. Like mm. the 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 barrier to entry is lower than it's ever been on music recording and like a lot of a lot of people who don't like claim to be recording engineers do actually know how to do it um in some capacity. Um like a lot of people in bands that I work with like kind of seem to know what's going on all the time mm-hmm. but um oh fuck i lost my train of thought we were talking about the uh, quality of music could be better if they chose or put a little more effort oh yeah well so that's the thing is that like people a lot of people still don't care especially like in in the world of like punk and hardcore i mean don't get me wrong there's a ton of people who care a lot mm-hmm. and but at the same time, there's a ton of people who are like, yeah, man, it's it's a hardcore band. Like, who cares what the recording sounds like? You, we just need to have something out so we can go play the shit live and have people know it. Yeah. And or that- not even have people know it. Just have people <laughs> beat the shit out of each other. Like, you know, a lot of people don't take this kind of music that seriously. Which is fine i mean mm-hmm. they're just they're just having fun with it like that's that's cool yeah i other people do take it seriously i just also try to cool, cool. yeah i i don't try to judge uh people i, I just kind of just kind of navigate my own right just go if i'm having fun if i'm doing the music cool because uh, there's just so many people i, I can't go and uh try to uh, you know integrate or in, interrogate everybody like oh like why are you here do you really like the music it's like eh, we're all here we'll figure it out you know yeah i don't I don't, I don't give a shit. I, I, I'll, every once in a while, like, I'll get stuck in a conversation with somebody about, they're like, some dickhead who wants to talk to me about gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, nobody should be doing that. Like, there, you, you wouldn't be here. Chances are, if like, if that was the case, like, why would we want to prevent people from entering like this, this little scene, this little world we have, even if they're like, maybe going to check it out, decide it's not for them and like dip out a couple years later, like, 
why do you give a shit? It's more people at a show right now. Don't you want to see every band play to a packed room all the time? If your answer is no, I, I do not understand that logic. Yeah, and you never know who's gonna be, uh, you know, down for life or who's just here for a couple of years. You got to kind of let them, you know, figure it out on their own because only time will tell. But uh, for as many, uh, you know, uh, new jacks that didn't stick around, it, it never affected, I, you know, how I perceived hardcore. It never made me sad. I just wanted to find more new people and just try to encourage people to to roll out. It's like the the idea to keep people out to try to keep it more pure. Uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because uh, it, it's going to end at some point doing it that way because there's only you know a certain amount of people in exactly yeah exactly it this could end if we if we like embrace that kind of attitude like this all goes away a lot quicker than I think most people realize hundred percent yeah and I, I think uh, and going back to like the you know 2020 where shows got taken away I, I feel like that should have been like a real eye opener to everybody that this thing isn't guaranteed uh it's, it's like you know due to like the hard work of everybody involved but it could easily be taken away it could end at some point so um yeah it, it's done we, we got to keep bringing in new people we got to keep inspiring the youth and keep it going well it's funny that you say that because i think that exact thing did happen like i think it it was like for anybody who is like maybe starting to get jaded who was kind of just tired of going sh to shows um like i don't know sh uh, immediately like when shows started coming back last year every show was crazy mm -hmm. and there was also clearly new people there was new faces that i mean i hadn't seen at shows in in philly Mm -hmm. there was there was clearly like and especially younger kids who found found out about hardcore at some point when like during the pandemic when shows weren't happening and started coming out to shows when when they started happening again and that's awesome and who gives a fuck if those kids aren't around in two years some of them won't be some of them probably will yeah, I, I I think you can't really uh, get too down on those kinds of people because like when you think about it, even if you get like you know really deep, like those people who may only stick around for a year, they could bring somebody who turns into a lifer, you know, just by chance. And it's just yeah, yeah. I, I don't see a whole lot of negative for uh, you know uh, introducing new kids to this and telling them, or not even telling them, but just trying to guide them and be like, hey, you should listen to these bands or come out to this show um, instead of trying to like you know protect it from uh, you know newer people yeah i mean i what i don't know why anybody's even that concerned with like other people's choices other people's preference like whether people want to like it's none of your fucking business mm -hmm. no, that's i, I mean agree. like mind yourself in the meantime there's a ton of people at a hardcore show you should be stoked you should be like happy that these bands don't have to play to an empty room because that sucks and like beyond that it's not really your problem 100 <clears> percent. <throat> okay uh earlier you briefly mentioned fixation um outside of uh that record uh you know being sent off uh do you guys have stuff planned or are you just kind of laying low yeah we're laying low we've played 
we've played some some shows here or there um and we did we did that tour back in october that was chemical fix and fixation which was uh i'm not doing that again that's exhausting but um we kind of like somewhat came to an agreement that playing a lot right now before the record comes out just doesn't really feel like it it makes sense to us okay um it's not a it's not like a super i mean the the record is not super like moshy like not that it doesn't have those parts but it's like i don't know it's a lot of like lyrically driven stuff and playing songs that nobody has ever heard because they can't have ever heard it Mm -hmm. to a room full of people is just starting to feel weird to us um so i think i think we're just trying to chill until like we're closer to the record being out and i'm sure we'll do a tour like right as soon as the record comes out um to try to push it but you know until then i I think we're we're laying low for the most part i mean not to mention that like at this at this point we both bands share three of the same people so we also have to kind of be like well i mean the chemical fix record hasn't i mean it's baby been out six months Mm -hmm. so like it's kind of that it's it's that band's turn at the moment like that's the band that we're focusing our our energy and effort on at at the moment and then when the fixation records we'll probably have to you know make that take a back seat for a second while we try to do try to do this other thing um because obviously we can't I mean, all of us have full-time jobs. We can't um, just not work and push two bands at the same time. There are there are compromises that we have to make. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, at, at some point that'll that'll probably be our focus. But for right now, we're we're chilling. That's fair. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what that would be like to go and play songs that nobody knows and can't sing along to. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that can get old really fast. But but also, I, I think it is smart too because um, you also w- want to save that because it's just like uh, you want to be able to give people time to g- listen to the actual songs and have time to grow with it, learn the lyrics, so that when you do play those songs, uh, they can be people singing along and going off, and uh, f- it'll feel like a lot better instead of people like instead of you guys just knowing the songs and the crowd being like you know in this like dark part where they, they're just kind of uh, trying to figure it out. Yeah, and it, it, it again is like because of the kind of record it is. Like mm-hmm. it's so much. I don't know. It's it's way faster, I think, than the Chemical Fix record is. Um, not in terms like the fast parts. I don't I don't know who's which band plays fast parts faster, but it's like it's faster in the sense that it's more of a punk record where I feel like Chemical Fix sits pretty squarely within hardcore Mm -hmm. um i would say fixation leans more on the punk side um you know we'll the fast parts go on for longer and they're i mean like i said i think a lot of it is um a lot of it is pretty lyrically driven 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really only because it's that kind of record. Um, you know, heavy bands can play to people who have never heard their songs, but like people hear a riff and they want to go off. Like, Mm -hmm. that's fine. It's just not at all what kind of record we have. So yeah, playing on it right now is weird. Okay. And as, as far as like, you know, you, you have like this time frame for when you get the records, but do you have like a, a roadmap planned out for as far as like releasing like singles and other stuff? Or is that still going to be? I'm sure Andrew at War has a plan mm-hmm. um, for that stuff. I don't know what the plan is, but, you know, whatever he wants to do. Um, I mean, that's what we'll do. Okay. He knows what he's doing. I. I trust his his guidance on that stuff for sure. And I, I respect people who have that grand vision because sometimes I will like look at stuff and get stuff and I'm just man, like I don't I don't know how I would want to go about, uh, you know, uh, doing a roadmap for like a album release because obviously things can go wrong. Um, but you, you hope things would go like uh, according to plan. But yeah, there's just so many things where it's like, man, I don't even know how I'd want to do it. So props to uh, you know, people like him who can figure that stuff out. And um, earlier, you, you mentioned that uh, you know you work with bands and uh, people who seem to know what they're doing when it comes to uh, the recording process. Have you ever like encouraged somebody that you worked with who uh, may not have had any real interest in doing that to kind of get into that field? Um, yeah, well, so I had an intern over the summer last year who was in a band that I was recording um and expressed that he had interest and i mean just like during the the quiet moments of the session like set up and break down at the beginning of and end of the day we were kind of just talking about it and i i told him that my one piece of advice was um not to go to school for it because that's what i had done and i didn't really find that to be useful and i told him that if i have one regret it's not working under somebody else you know being someone's assistant or in i mean intern at first assistant uh whatever you want to call it um i was like that's my big regret if you want to get into this that's what i would do i didn't think that meant he was going to ask me but Mm -hmm. uh yeah we did that for a little while um yeah i mean i'm um, I've had a little bit of a change of heart in this in the last couple of years where like I do think people should get into this um, or like explore it a little bit because I mean I think it helps people be better band members better musicians like within the context of a band I think it helps them realize why something they're trying to do may not um, translate great to a recording. I mean, I think there's lots of useful information that comes out of like learning the basics of engineering. Um, But even aside from that, um, I am all about other people I know getting into it just because putting like that like good like i've been sending some work that comes my way that i just don't have time to take and it might be in a rush or it might be just like a demo or a guest vocal or something like 
there's now a couple people that I feel um, comfortable being like, yo, I don't have time to do this, but you should hit up this person. Like this person should be able to take care of you. And at one point in time, I probably would have felt some kind of like, um, I would have felt like competitive and maybe like <laughs> territorial over that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, there's like, there's work to go around at least in, in this in this world in this scene like there's room for other people and like i don't know throwing somebody something like work that you can't do like why why should i be territorial about that i am realizing that i'm answering a question you didn't ask but it's something that's been on my mind a bunch lately Mm -hmm. and um yeah i don't know like sharing sharing some of the wealth is I think something that I'm finding myself thinking about a lot. No, I, I honestly, I, I think that's great because uh, people can get stuck in this like famine mindset, right? Where they're like, oh shit, there um, isn't enough to go around. So I got to try to hoard and be selfish and not want to share. But for you to, which, oh, go ahead. which is the, the nature of every audio engineer in the world i'm pretty sure except maybe the top like one percent of them i mean they're like i listen to a bunch of podcasts like with other engineers and a a common thing you hear is like the mindset of like you know this uh, this could dry up for me tomorrow i i may finish this record i'm working on and it may be the last record i ever work on. like there is that famine mindset i mean i think it's like the nature of um being like self-employed mm-hmm. um and having to like find your own work and rely on like word of mouth and whatever like it it's really easy to get into that mindset of there's not enough to go around but it's that's warped thinking yeah no i, I agree i agree because i i feel like for for you to you know pass stuff on to other people um, i'm sure they're appreciative of that and that kind of word is going to spread too right oh like you know why it's a good dude he sent me this and then i'm sure if they get an opportunity or something they can't you know if they're in the similar similar situation they'll probably want to reach out to you see if um, you're available so i I just think that um you know to to have that kind of mind to 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 not be so greedy and selfish and to just want to help out others too i i think it's really great and, and a really good thing I know a lot of people yeah, uh, don't want to like, do it. Or... There, there can be like some, some like obviously it'd be a small one, but there can be like community around, around that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy to like get into this like doggy dog mindset if you're not careful. And I, I think that's just like, well, it's a bad energy to walk around with. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. But also, um, I, I feel like uh, people maybe should look at uh, opening up like other avenues and not just rely on this one single source. Because obviously, like I, I know you have a, a full-time job. You mentioned you have a full-time job. So, uh, you know, the whole recording, uh, you know, bands, that's not like your only source of revenue. So maybe that's why you're, um, uh, you know, opening up and not being like those other people who have that kind of mindset. Yeah, um, I, I think... I think all audio engineers have to be pretty versatile mm-hmm. these days to have to know how to do like should be able to do podcasts. You should be able to do 
you should be able to do bands. You should be able to um, live sound like is probably a good like that's that's something I should learn um, because I mean there's no guarantee that the the stream of work you have at any given moment is going to keep up mm-hmm. you know um, yeah I mean I think that's that's something I've learned over the years if I want to if I want to work in music and audio which is I mean it is what I love and it's what I what I'm good at and I, I that's the kind of work I want to do all the time you got to be open to doing whatever whatever uh like format that that presents itself in yeah no i i agree because i like the more kind of skills you have the the more options um are available to you when it comes to doing work so you're not just kind of uh, you know stuck in just doing recording oh oh I, I can only record bands but if you learn all the other stuff you can do way more obviously yeah and as far as your uh your full-time job uh are, are you still doing the same thing from the last time we talked yeah i'm still doing music for video games i'm actually no longer doing sound effects we the audio department has grown from one to two people so i get to focus solely on um like writing the scores for games which is cool mm. um that's the part that interests me a little bit more there's people who are really into like foley and sound design and that's awesome i'm just that that doesn't like capture my interest that much and i think i'm only okay at it so having two people who get to both focus on what we're good at is awesome big fan of that um but yeah we're still still doing the video game thing and i'm curious about you know the sound effects um is there like a program that has like all this preset stuff or are you going out and recording your own sound effects and like you know breaking celery or doing weird stuff you could you could do a whole game just using uh like stuff from libraries that are out there and available you could do it probably just with freely available sounds Mm -hmm. um you could record stuff yourself i usually do uh, a combination of the two um generally leaning more on stuff from libraries okay for sure awesome just i don't i'm not i'm not super interested in like unless it's a sound i just i cannot find i cannot seem to recreate without actually making that sound and holding a mic up to it i'm not particularly interested in walking around with like those little handheld recorders and recording like i don't know just shit i hear outside um that that's not where my energy is going to be best spent okay for sure uh, but uh, some people are all about that yeah because i sometimes those kind of things get taken for granted right because I, I play like a ton of video games and obviously all that stuff has to come from somewhere it was all uh, created and put together but uh, you never really stopped to really think and be like damn who created this sound effect or where did it come from yeah i think you'd be surprised i think there uh, a lot of stuff comes from like three or four huge um companies studios whatever whatever they might be that create a lot of the the stuff that you hear in 
in, and in games and TV and movies. So as far as your, your new role, um, are you currently working on a new video game? Obviously, I'm sure you can't speak about it, but um... I am and I can't. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's pretty cool. Um, it is probably like in terms of like what it is, it's definitely like the most high profile thing I've got to work on, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. It's a lot of work. I think I'm a year into it and have like six months to go on it and then probably be out. I don't know. This stuff is definitely written down. Like I can actually probably look up this schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I am working on a game right now. And as far as you being in your new role, um, how much more are you enjoying that? And what are the new like uh, difficulties in that uh, position versus the old one? Honestly, none. Uh, there's not really difficulties. It's it's great. Like, you know, I had always felt like music could have used more effort put into it in games we had done previously. But I was I was like a one man team in the past i was mm -hmm. like the the only person in the audio department so um sometimes when i felt that like games needed their music like just just expanded a little bit or improved in any way i didn't get time to do that because i had to also focus half my energy on sound effects so if if there's any uh any struggle that i have right now being like strictly working on music is occasionally like the wells dry like i don't really i'm not i'm not feeling super like creative or inspired and i have to like force myself to create something rather than it coming pretty like freely and naturally but i mean that being said though like working on games like there's the music all has context. Like I don't really have to feel inspired. You know, I kind of just have to know what, what the context is that I'm writing music for. And I'm, I'm probably more or less good to go with that. And as far as like, uh, you know, trailers for the video games, do you get to choose what music gets picked? Are they using stuff that you created um, from the game or? How does that work? It, it depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Because obviously, like I, I've seen like a ton of game trailers. Some trailers use like licensed music. Um, is that in your department or is that handled by like somebody else? No, that's usually handled by not even somebody at our um, at our company. Um, usually, that's something figured out by um, whoever's making the trailer, which is typically not us mm -hmm. um it depends though um one time i did a whole i scored a whole trailer with like sound effects and music and everything and went through like two weeks of revisions with um with the i guess it would have been the licensor of the game because it was like it was a licensed title um uh, i went back and forth with them for two weeks on like musical direction for this 45 second trailer and then 
after they finally were like, all right, cool, we're happy with it. They scrapped it. And when the trailer came out, it had totally had this like awful, like white stripes wannabe like rock song, which wasn't at all the right vibe for the game. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was pissed. I was pissed. Yeah, I'd be pissed, especially going back and forth for two weeks, uh, you know, working to, you know, make them happy. And then did they even give you notice that they weren't going to use your song? I don't think so. I, I remember seeing the trailer and being like, huh. That's and that's so, not what I wrote. And I could be I could be misremembering, okay. but uh, but no, that, I don't believe so. But at that point, right, they don't use your song for the the trailer. Is that like the end of the business relationship? Because like, did they only hit you up to do the trailer, or are you still having to work with them for other aspects? No, I mean it was it it wasn't the so I work for um, I work like in-house for a studio right Mm. so um the trailer was for a game that we were working on and um the there was like a separate trailer team who was was putting together the trailer and then there's also this shit gets convoluted and i'm just the audio guy and don't even totally understand this stuff but there's there's people who like who own the intellectual property of like the, the license titles we're working on. So anyway, okay. what we're we talking about. No, I was just asking about uh, your, your music and if you have to pick it for the trailer, cause I, I'm, I'm always curious when it comes to that kind of stuff. Cause uh, obviously there's like so many, uh, you know, famous stuff that uses licensed music, like um, obviously Tony Hawk, uh, their whole soundtrack. Uh, oh like yeah. Super famous. I mean, that's, I think that game ruined everybody I know's life. Got us all into punk. I I'm honestly like growing up because like I, I was never like uh, I, I was never a skater. I, I never owned a skateboard. Uh, I, I would uh, kind of follow it casually because I had friends. Like we would go hang out at our local skate shop. Um, and I played Tony Hawk just because I, I love video games, and that was like one of the most popular video games at the time. So like I couldn't not play it. Um, but I didn't like. Uh, it's weird because I, growing up, the soundtrack I didn't even really like listen to it. Um, and growing up in life, and then finding out that it, it had influenced so many people that I know, I'm like, damn! Like I just I just wasn't paying attention because I just didn't even care about the music. I just wanted to, to try to land a triple kickflip. Um, but but it is pretty interesting and cool that bands or a, a, a game could do that because I'm thinking um, more recently there was this shooter that my buddy played. And uh, I, I was just at his house and he was playing it. And then like there was like a backtrack song in it. And I was like, what the hell? What the hell is backtrack doing this video game? And I, and I was tripping out because it, it just seems so uh, like just weird and kind of out of place. But I'm like, oh, whatever. Like it's weird. Like uh, it seemed like a steampunk kind of shooter thing. It was called Rage 2, if I remember correctly. Um, but just okay, to, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. But just to hear like uh, a hardcore band in that game and, and my buddy not even knowing about them, but me in my mind thinking of, about like their you know, history and like how popular they are. And I was like, that's so funny. My buddy has no idea. Yeah. I mean, I would love to like, I mean, me and friend who sings in chemical fix also works at the same company mm-hmm. as, as me. And we talk about it all the time. Um, how cool it would be to do something that like sort of takes that idea, but like maybe even try to do, like if the right game ever came along like have bands that we know or are like kind of part of our our world 
like do songs for a game like that'd be super fun um like whether it be like record new songs or use old ones or like remix them or something mm-hmm. like i think it would be i mean i i'm sure this isn't actually what it what it was like but in my head i i feel like when they were making the first tony hawk games like that's what they were doing like that's that's what i have always just thought of like oh they probably like you know this guy was probably just like loved bad religion and this other dude um like knew the guitar player of mill and colin like i'm sure that's not actually what it was but it's i'd rather believe that's how it happened rather than it be like a team of people like i don't know music lawyers just trying to like figure out who they could who they could pay off or who's gonna not want royalties or yeah um, yeah it it is interesting but 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 it's cool that they were able to have such an iconic soundtrack for that game and hopefully maybe at some point in the future something like that can be recreated i mean other people have done i mean it's it's basically like an in-game radio right like that's Mm -hmm. i mean grand theft auto does that like lots of lots of games have done it um I, I think that just unfortunately gets like cost prohibitively expensive yeah. except to like the, the, the biggest games of all time, like grand theft auto can probably afford to, to pay out those royalties. Jeez. Um, yeah. They, they make so much money. It's crazy. But I, th- I, I think back to, was it, I think grand theft auto three, uh, Liberty City, where they had like that New York hardcore radio station, which I thought was hilarious. But it wasn't like I don't know. It, it was like, uh, but, but it was like fake music. It wasn't like real bands. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I've done that. I've done the fake. I've done the fake radio station. Um, I've done that for games, and that's fun because I'm like, you know, get to write like, I don't know, just regular regular music isn't the way i want to say it. i like you know just um i get to try out a bunch of different styles rather than like get really into a style and i mean music for games come becomes infinitely complicated because mm-hmm. you want the music to like to change depending on what the player is doing so like kind of coming up with music that can kind of like adapt in that way and like writing for like I don't, I don't actually know how to play any orchestral instruments, but I spend a lot of time writing for them. But when I do occasionally get to write something for a game that's like drums, bass, and guitar, I'm like, all right, I actually know what I'm doing here. Okay. And, uh, and I am curious. Uh, so you, you work for the studio, you're uh, doing the music. Uh, is there like a, a person in charge who's like, uh, you know, trying to go out and get like the next title or is it like a, collective efforts i'm not sure how that works no there's 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 definitely um a guy at our studio who's that's not his only job but he is there is there is a main guy who does that okay like uh, so do, I, do you get like an email like oh hey we, we just got this new game uh, we need you to start working on this because like, like wouldn't it be cool to like get like um you know obviously i'm, I'm like ju- thinking in, in the future uh to like do like something cool for like a game that like or maybe like a franchise that you've played before yeah, I mean, um, right now we mo- mostly work on stuff that's for a younger audience. Mm-hmm. So 
that hasn't happened yet. Um, but I mean, it's also, we've gotten to work on some cool stuff at the same time. Yeah. Usually that stuff gets announced in like, a a uh, we have meetings every Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll usually get announced then it's not like an email or anything, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been like news shared with us during those meetings. That's been like, Whoa, what the fuck we're doing? We're doing that. Like, I mean, last year they released the Adams family game that we did that I probably was working on last time I talked to you, but wasn't allowed to talk about it mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and like, that was pretty cool. Uh, there's, I, I told my mom that I was working on that and she finally believed I had a real job. That's crazy. I think my mom thinks I've been lying to her for, for four years. I don't know what she thinks I actually do, but, but I, I, that, that speaks- one like, that one got validation at home. Yeah, because you got to think Adam's family, iconic, right? Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people know that family. They've been around for a long time. So now you're a part of that history, which is cool because people go back and, you know, they could find your name tied to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's cool to work on stuff that has that, like, that, that visibility, that legacy. Like, it's, it's cool being trusted to work with stuff like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that is funny that, that that's what got you the validation from your from your mom. <laughs> yeah, I I've had I've been at the same job for like four years now, but mm-hmm. uh, I think before she thought I was just selling drugs or something. I don't know. I went through this whole thing one year where I was convinced that my mom thought I was a drug dealer and was lying about my job. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, uh, I won't get into it because it's probably not a story I should tell. Okay, okay, that's maybe off the air. Okay. Maybe off the air. All right, off air. I'll I'll ask you back because I because I am curious to to hear about that. Okay, well, damn, that's I, I'm just happy to hear that. Uh, you know, the to hear that the studio is uh, you know growing. You got a new position because obviously, with uh, you know from the last time we talked with the, uh, what the world's been going through, I've seen a lot of businesses uh, close, crazy companies that I thought would have been okay. Because you know, sometimes I, I just imagine uh, like these bigger companies just have like infinite money and like oh how there's no way that they could uh, you know uh, close its doors, but then you know shit happens well, and you realize that it can happen. I think I think I'm lucky in that um, the the industry that I my my primary work is in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most companies actually did better like than ever during covid because if you think about it i mean people weren't working they like you know people were pretty well taken care of by unemployment like aside from the people who were able to get it Mm -hmm. um, 100 you know there there wasn't a lot to do like you know we're being told like not to socialize like with anybody outside of like our our homes or like if you have to go to your job like you know we're we're being told to stay inside to not go out uh to not have you you need something to do i think uh movies are a little bit different because obviously saw a ton of theaters 
close. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure Netflix, like, uh, what would it be like Q2 of 2020 probably did their best numbers ever. If I'm guessing, I'm Mm -hmm. sure they, they killed it that year. Um, and I think, I think that same thing happened to like, I think there was just money coming into games. Okay, I, and just going back to Netflix, I, I looked it up real quick. They their revenue in Q two twenty twenty increased nineteen percent um, year over year to seven point three billion. So you're right. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I'm I'm curious about you. So uh, uh, obviously, uh, pandemic, all that. Uh, your job? Were you like? Did they equip you with stuff to work from home, or did you have to still go I, into the office? I already worked from home. Oh, pandemic. Oh, pre. Oh, so your your work from home pre pandemic. Okay, so yeah, because what I do um, is distracting to other people, and um, other people are distracting to me when I'm trying to like it's. Mm-hmm. It was. It always made more like. I mean, I could work on headphones in an office and use like a little like tabletop size like midi keyboard and i could make that work but you know what's annoying to hear someone do all day when you're like i don't know trying to trying to have a meeting or like you're you're trying to like create some animation for something i don't know what the hell everybody else at my studio does but hearing this like clanking of a keyboard be super annoying and like i'm also the kind of person that like i'm so easily distracted that like i kind of have to like close myself in like a dark box Mm -hmm. while i work because like any 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 distraction could totally derail me for the day um so yeah i always work from home pre-pandemic since then, the whole company has gone work from home. Um, so awesome. it did change. It did change for other people. But for me, I was like, cool. Everybody's about to learn what I already know, which is this is great. I'm way more productive this day, mm-hmm. uh, this way. And um, I don't have to like waste a bunch of time traveling for my job. Um, I don't have to like you know, plan meals or like eat out for lunch every day. Cause that sucks. No, I love, I love working from home and I've been like saying it like since the beginning of the pandemic, like everyone's about to find out that this is awesome. I'm sure there's jobs that suck like working from home, but like, if it makes sense, I honestly believe people are more productive without those distractions. As long as you can find a way to like keep in touch with mm-hmm. like the other people who are important for you to communicate with um yeah working from home is great yeah i i think uh the pandemic kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes where they realized that a lot of jobs can be done from home uh yeah. and you don't have to drive into an office every day it's just that like you know that's just been the the normal thing to do right you go go clock in somewhere uh so I, I I think it's cool. I, I honestly didn't know that you were um, you know work at home before the pandemic, but it's cool that you're you're doing it doing it now, and it's uh, cool. I, I'm I'm kind of jealous. I 
I, I wish I could work at home or work from home. Excuse me. Remind me what you do again. I know you told me last time it's. Yeah, I, I work for uh, this company called Frito-Lay. So I uh, have a route. So I, I actually have to physically go into like these grocery stores that I have on my route and sell okay. them. Yeah. So that's what I, I, I was like. It's something to do. I knew it had something to do with like snack food. Mm hmm. Yeah, so still doing that. I never stopped working. So uh, for like the whole like pandemic and stuff, um, I, I always told everybody that like my vision of it all was like kind of skewed because like I, I know a, a bunch of friends who, uh, you know, had to work from home or got laid off, which was unfortunate. But for me, it, it just never stopped. I, you know, kept going, uh, you know, to, to the route every day. Uh, so it, and even to this day, nothing still hasn't changed. It's, it's been like the same thing, like pre pandemic which I'm you know, thankful for because obviously like I like to have a job and be able to provide for myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in that same boat with you. I didn't miss a day of work. I had <laughs> sessions cancel, mm -hmm. but that didn't last long. But other than that, I, I got by pretty lucky. I was, I was largely unaffected. Um, like in my, in the sense of like work didn't really slow down for me during the pandemic obviously everybody was affected in like a variety of ways but like specific to work like i i didn't really miss a beat mm -hmm. and that's just as far as like doing the music uh for the video game company yeah well recording too like i had some sessions cancel mm -hmm. um but then i had this like new influx of like remote mixing and mastering work which oh, wow. was awesome because like i i panicked for a minute um like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, this makes up, a, you know, a fraction of my income. Um, like, I, this is, this is going to be bad. And then, you know, some sessions canceled and I probably was like back to like recording in person within a couple months. But in that meantime, it was filled by like working for people like in other parts of the country too and uh even some some european bands um so that was really cool um like you know for a minute i was like well i think i'm gonna like do like doordash like deliveries because like i need a backup plan here mm -hmm. um and then i ended up not really having to do that for very long because i i had i had this supplemental work come in which it was awesome and how does a band from Europe get in contact with you? Because uh, to me, that's just like, uh, obviously, uh, you do great work, but you think, you know, they're on that side of the country or, or excuse me, that side of the world. Uh, isn't there anybody closer? But um, obviously that speaks to how, you know, highly and how good your work is. But I, I, again, I, I'm curious, how does a band like out there get in contact with you to do something like that? I mean, they can they can send me an email. Um, they can, you know, I don't love being hit up on Instagram about booking work, but honestly it's like 80% of how, how I book, um, work. Um, yeah, I mean, I think usually a band just, just finds me by like looking up who did a record that they liked. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, it's like, am I in their price range? Is my turnaround gonna like, work with their their timeline um usually i'll do like a zoom call 
honestly, like before I'm like even gonna agree to work with somebody because I just I feel like we got to meet. Um, it's like weird to me to like book uh, a project and like not have had a conversation with somebody because normally we have like so much time to get to know each other during a recording session that mm-hmm. if we're gonna work remotely, like we should chat for an hour and just see like do i like you do you like me do it like do we get along because if not you should probably work with somebody else like if we're going to be fighting about every decision the whole time like let's let's maybe like there's someone else who can do that this for you and that's fine i'm probably not not the dude for you if like we don't seem to agree on anything so that's usually how it ends up going when i work with somebody remotely Okay, for sure. Yeah, you you want to make sure that that the vibes are right because you don't want to yeah. get into something and it, you kind of figure out mid uh, recording that it's just way off and you're just wasting everybody's time. Yeah, and like kind of that that like that famine mindset you were going back to. There was definitely a point that I I took every project mm-hmm. that anybody ever asked me about and like you know whether it meant working on something that I didn't care for or um, you know bending over backwards to meet somebody's budget like whatever whatever it was um but i i've definitely changed my thinking on that in that like there's gonna be projects that i'm just not the right dude for like it's i don't i don't understand what they're going for musically um like sonically they are after an aesthetic that's not really not really what i do um there could be a lot of reasons like maybe i just don't fucking like the people in the band like there's there's so many reasons that i'm totally cool with like if i'm not the right dude that's okay no hard feelings like good luck with whoever you do work with like i'm probably not going to give you the best result mm-hmm. like knowing knowing that being aware of like my own uh limitations and you know being a little bit pickier about like what am i actually going to work well on like those are the projects i want to take for sure no i i think that's that's smart because you don't want to stamp your name on something that you're not like completely stoked on or uh yeah and if a band and i are like fighting about like a decision then um I'm probably not going to be stoked on how it comes out in the end because I don't actually have the final say in anything. I may, uh, I may plead with a band to be like, yo, let's really like this thing you think you want to do. I really think that's, that's a poor call, like a poor decision, but like, I don't, it's also not my record. Like at the end of the day, a band has final say. Mm -hmm. So having a, uh, like getting to work with people who have like, the same end result in mind as me that's that's the project i want to work on for sure and i'm curious uh, the, the knife layer still still going strong same spot still there okay I'm- yeah i mean definitely planning on uh moving locations at some point but it's just a matter of uh it's not something you don't want to move a studio a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So finding 
finding that next location for it is uh, not not something. It's not like a decision I'm I'm making lightly or quickly. Okay, if you can hold off till after March, I would appreciate that. It's not going to be before March. I okay. can guarantee you that. Okay, because I'm going to the From Within Records showcase at the end of March, March 26th, uh, Saturday yeah. at the First Unitarian Church in Philly. And I, I don't know how long I'm, I'm going to be in town. I actually got to talk to the person I'm staying with and see how long I can actually stay there and um, just clear that. Uh, and then I, I got to figure out uh, that. But I, I know I, I just want to see the knife layer if that's possible. I don't know if you're going to be around. Uh, yeah, it should be around. Um, I think you are going to be underwhelmed, <laughs> but you are you are welcome to come see it. Okay. No, I, 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 I just, you know, obviously so many cool bands, uh, bands that I listen to, uh, have recorded there, obviously. Um, and knowing you is nice. And I, I, I just want to see it. Uh, I, I'm not expecting, uh, anything. I, I just want to go and just, uh, just see what the vibe's like. Yeah. Come by. Okay. By all means. Um, and what, what you said you were in town for the, I'm actually, that's at the church, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. Not, like the studio is like 10 minutes from the church. I bet I'm in there that day too. Okay, yeah. Because I've just been just been booking up for for March. Um, you said the twenty sixth and twenty seventh. Yeah, I'm I'm for sure going to be in town the twenty sixth, and I'm I'm either flying out the twenty seventh or the twenty eighth. I have to figure it out. Well, I'll be there. I'll be in there the twenty sixth and twenty seventh, working with a band. Okay, well, hopefully they're okay with me stopping by. Some random dude from California. Um, There's always random people stopping by. Like, I don't think I've ever had a session that went uninterrupted. Okay, There's for sure. Somebody, like, dropping gear off, or um, I know you had uh, Mikey on a long time ago. He'll just show up if he, like, knows somebody in the band. And he's like, oh, I'm going to come hang out and, like, I think he just shows up to talk shit okay. to bands, but he's like, he's funny. He, he mm-hmm. gets away with it. He'll get away with anything forever. And it's, uh, it pisses me off because <laughs> I, I look at someone the wrong way and I'm a dickhead, but, um, yeah, no, uh, sessions are always interrupted. Like, I think it's, it's fairly expected. Um, so yeah, come by. Okay. And before we go, is there any band, that you've recorded recently that hasn't put out um, that music that you want to shout out or can shout out? Yes, there is. And actually, I think they're putting out music this week. Um, they posted something about it today. There is a band called Excide that their record is, I don't want anybody who hears this to like get their feelings hurt. It is my favorite record I've ever worked on like not even really close contenders. Um, it is a very unique record musically. Mm-hmm. It's very well executed. I'm really excited for like to watch what happens with this band. Cause I think it's, it, the record is just great. And I'm not even saying it's the, like, it's not, necessarily even the best sounding record i've done you know it doesn't it doesn't sound bad either but like i like no no personal like uh 
attachment to it in that sense. I think it's just a really fantastic record. All right. Well, shout um, out New Morality Zine because I know that record's coming out um, with them. Uh, yeah. So I, I am familiar, but for sure that that, that that's awesome. I'm, I'm stoked to hear you shout them out. Yeah, Excide, and then also um, the Life's Question record that uh, is just about wrapped up is is another. Um, that's a wild record. It's. I, I don't know. Like everybody in that band is like stupid good at their instrument. Mm-hmm. Like I, they they did half my job for me. That record's also awesome. Hell yeah, great band. Uh, yeah, I've I've had on Josh and Ridge in the past, so I'm definitely stoked to uh, hear that new record. But um, but thank yeah, you. That one's really. Um. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I. Uh, not really saying anything go ahead sorry no i, I was just gonna say mm-hmm. uh, uh, thank you for for taking the time to to come on the podcast because it uh is uh you know fun uh, to to catch up and talk to you and hear about uh chemical fix fixation your job uh and just uh, to be able to talk to you again i i appreciate that so i, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to do this yeah man thanks for having me back thanks for thanks for asking okay